Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, so today I'm going to do a deep dive episode because I think there's something we need to talk about. Have you heard that saying, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? It speaks to our human tendency to over-rely on a familiar tool or an approach. Whether or not that's the most appropriate tool or approach for the task that you're doing. And for many small businesses, this concept shows up big time in their business strategy. In entrepreneur world, we're taught to anchor our ambitions to revenue goals. Six figures, seven figures, eight figures. And while that might seem quote-unquote smart because numbers are specific and measurable and an annual goal is time-bound and we can convince ourselves that they're achievable and relevant, revenue targets become reassuring, tangible metrics for success and growth. But there's a trap lurking beneath this comfort. Once businesses have a revenue goal in sight, we often see a predictable pattern. We reach for our favorite tool the one that hasn't failed us yet, the one that we know exactly how to wield. And that default tool is ramping up sales and marketing. Now, don't get me wrong, sales and marketing are pivotal in growing a business. But here's the catch. Online platforms and business gurus and courses tend to shine the spotlight on sales and marketing as the holy grail of achieving your business dreams. Why do they do this? Well, because it's sexier than telling you to review your costs or to write an HR manual. But marketing is about selling your solution, right? And guess what? The best marketers sell and the best salespeople market sales and marketing. So we get this sounding chorus that sales and marketing is the primary driver for growth. And it creates a belief that they are the one size fits all solution to achieving your goals. Remember the hammer? So we know we need a strategy. So we reach for, first of all, our trusty hammer of a big revenue goal. And then we think, okay, how can I achieve that goal? And we reach for another trusty tool, our sales and marketing. And then we align everything we do after that strategy with hammering in that nail further. And so what we're left with is a sales and marketing strategy, not a business strategy. And what happens when we lean too heavily on just one or two areas of our business, like sales and marketing? First of all, we see unbalanced growth. So your sales and marketing strategies might be working gangbusters, but other areas like your team dynamics or your operational efficiency and even your service delivery can be overlooked. Second, it creates a short-term gain versus long-term sustainability conflict. Yes, in the short term, results look promising, but how sustainable is that approach? Do you have a sturdy foundation that you're building your business on or are you relying on a business that can't support the flow from sales and marketing? Thirdly, you've got potential for wasting resources. If you're pouring vast amounts of time and money and energy into sales and marketing, and you haven't thought about a holistic strategy, this can lead to burnout, wasted time, wasted money, wasted energy. So what do we do instead? To achieve our business goals and dreams, we need to remember that business growth is multidimensional. Sales and marketing are how you make money, and so they're an obvious part of the solution. But without considering the whole business you're going to reach a point where sales and marketing can no longer save you. 
And what will you do then? Because you only know how to wield that hammer. So instead, we need to create a comprehensive strategy that has six key steps. The first step is setting the foundations. You wouldn't jump in the car to go on a cross-country road trip without a map or a GPS or some sort of plan. So why would you jump into your business journey without a clear direction? However, many entrepreneurs find themselves driving full steam ahead at a goal without a clear understanding of their ultimate destination or what principles are going to guide how they get there. This is where setting those foundational vision and values come into play. They're going to act as your North Star and the rules of the road for your business journey. Let's talk about crafting a clear vision. It's important to understand that your vision is not meant to just be some lofty statement on your website or on a sign on your wall. It's actually the destination that you're striving for. It's supposed to give purpose to your daily grind and to help your team align their efforts towards a common goal. Essentially, your vision is just what would the world look like if you achieved everything you wanted in business. You want to make sure that it's future focused. So what is that vision five or 10 years down the road? You want to make sure that it's inspirational, so that it's motivating for your team. And you want to make sure that it's actionable so that it can be broken down into strategic steps that can make it attainable. So a clear vision for your business paints a vivid picture of where you want to go and then inspires every decision along the way. Now we need to think about how we're going to get there. So while the vision is pointing you in the direction of your destination, your values are the guidelines that are going to shape how you get there. These should be authentic in that they resonate with you, who you are, what you stand for. They should be behavior focused because this is how they guide decision making. And they need to be clearly communicated so that your team can actually live the values. What I want you to take away from this is that your vision and values are not about a box checking exercise that this is something to do when you run a business. They're also not a marketing tool. They are meant to guide your team on where to focus and how to behave within the business and with your clients and with your partners. They're an internal piece of the puzzle. So it's more important that they are clear and accepted by your team than that they sound good in a podcast interview or on your website. These foundations become the filter for your entire business strategy. So once we've got the big picture sorted, we can start to think about our short-term focus. It's easy to become overwhelmed with all the things that you could do, should do, would do in your business. But if we can pick a 90-day priority and give the entire business one focus for just one quarter, we'll see far greater momentum than trying to chase everything. Now, there's a myth about annual goals. Setting annual goals comes from the corporate world. Big companies use annual goals to create that direction and serve as a benchmark for performance because they have investors who look at annual goals and performance against them to gauge a company's ambition, their strategy, and their management. For small business, though, having a rigid annual goal is a hindrance because the agility and adaptability of a small business means that you can pivot more quickly. You can respond to market changes or unexpected opportunities. If you're strictly adhering to an annual goal, you're going to lose this flexibility. So the 90-day time frame is popular for goal setting and strategic planning in small businesses for a few reasons. One, it aligns really nicely with quarterly business cycles, right? Gives you that nice 90-day period. It's a natural rhythm in business and it kind of ties into any sort of financial review you might be doing 
or any operational planning that you have. Second, it's short enough for you to stay focused, right? There's tons of research and psychology and management that have shown that shorter term goals are more likely to be achieved because they feel more urgent. But it's also long enough to see results. Because change takes time, we need to commit for a long enough period of time for us to see results and a short enough time for us to stay motivated. And 90 days gives us both of those. And 90 days matches that adaptability that we were talking about, that flexibility. So how do we choose this 90-day priority? The first thing we have to understand is that that 90-day priority has to align with your broader growth cycle. And that means whether your business is in a growth, an optimization, or a maintenance phase. Your growth phase is where you're prioritizing areas that lead to market expansion and revenue growth. Optimization phase means you're focusing on improving efficiency, maybe reducing costs, enhancing team performance. And then maintenance is that phase where everything feels optimized, it feels ready, it's easy to sustain your current level, and you're preparing for that next growth spurt. In order to work out which of these phases you are in, we need to take a step back and evaluate your business from a holistic standpoint. So far, we've talked about sales and marketing or the funnel. But to grow sustainably, we need to expand our strategy beyond the funnel to include some other key areas. First of all, operations. So the focus of operations is to deliver on what you've sold. When you are pushing for more and more and more in the funnel, without considering whether you have the capacity to deliver, you risk unhappy customers, refunds, reputational damage that's going to follow you into future sales and marketing conversations. So it's really important that operations forms part of your holistic strategy. Second, people. So when you, quote unquote, remove yourself from the business, your team steps in. And this means that they are now touching every part of your business, especially your customers, ensuring that they are healthy and motivated and are receiving the training and development they need is key to the business being able to function A, at its current level, and B, to expand further. And finally, we need to think about finance. While finance might keep an eye on the revenue line, the key focus is actually on the business's cash flow. While many CEOs decide how healthy the business is and how well it's doing by checking their bank balance, this is only a picture of a split second in time in your business. Understanding how the decisions that you plan to make in other areas can impact on your ability to pay your team, to pay your expenses, to pay yourself will save you heartache and stress down the line, I promise. So while considering how a funnel might make you money in your strategy, considering these three areas will allow you to build a strategy that helps you keep the money as well. So every facet of your organization, from sales and marketing to ops and finance to your team culture and your strategy play a pivotal role in determining your next move. When you do this analysis, you're asking yourself, is there a foundational element that needs shoring up, i.e. do I need to optimize? Or are you poised to capitalize on an opportunity for growth? Am I in a growth phase? This overarching perspective ensures that your 90-day focus isn't just a tactical move, but a strategic choice that's informed by the big picture. Don't think of the 90-day priority as putting blinders on to all the other essential parts of your business. It's really about leadership and aligning the team and the power of focused energy. Because by concentrating on one key area, you can drive significant improvement in a relatively short period of time. It's going to give your team clarity and your business momentum. 
So once we have our 90-day priority, we're going to think about a key performance indicator. And we want to make sure that this is a leading KPI. A leading KPI provides data while you could still influence the outcome, while a lagging indicator provides historical information. For example, revenue is a lagging indicator. By the time you know your revenue number for the month or the year, you can't really do anything to change it. However, sales calls can be a leading indicator for revenue. If you're not booking or closing sales calls, it's telling you ahead of time that you're probably not going to reach the revenue that you were hoping for. The best KPI that you can choose for your 90-day priority is going to give you real-time insight into how well you're progressing towards that priority. I like to think of this as the momentum KPI for 90 days. This is where you're stretching. We've done our business analysis. We've focused in on whether we need to optimize or grow. We've picked the one area that we're going to focus on. We've set a goal for it. We've got a KPI to measure it. Now, what about all the rest of the areas? Well, just because we've set the priority in one department doesn't mean that the other areas of the business just take their foot off the gas. They need to think about two primary areas in supporting the priority. One, what support does that primary priority need from their department? And two, how do they maintain the level of performance in their own department? Because what we don't want to have happen is we get so hyper-focused on this 90-day priority that we don't notice that something else is going wrong and we damage another area of the business because that's going to set the whole strategy back. So how do we identify these support goals? So we've chosen our 90-day priority as the starting point, and we need to think about how the rest of the business aligns with that goal. So if we had growth as a priority, we can think about how do the other areas contribute to that growth, to building revenue. If optimization is the focus, we can think about what efficiencies can be implemented across the whole business. And what this does is it fosters a culture of collaboration and holistic thinking because it encourages cross-departmental cooperation and shared responsibility. It ensures that the business isn't neglecting any areas and it focuses the whole business on contributing to the primary goal. And as the CEO, you play a vital role here in communicating, implementing, and tracking these support goals because we want to make sure everyone understands their role and contribution We want to make sure that we're seeing those KPIs regularly and that we're sharing our progress and that results are considered shared success across the departments. If everybody's focused on one goal, then reaching that goal is everybody's success. So how do we create KPIs then for these support goals? So like the 90-day priority, you also want to make sure that you have measurable KPIs for each department, but the KPI is really to monitor whether performance levels are being maintained. So where we had the momentum KPI, which was a result that we were chasing, these KPIs are more of a maintenance KPI. We were making sure that we're not dropping any departmental standards while we chase that priority. So for example, if cutting costs was the goal, marketing might use leads as their maintenance KPI to ensure that cutting costs isn't reducing lead flow by more than a certain amount. And so we add these maintenance KPIs to the momentum KPI to create a dashboard and suddenly we can see the whole business holistically. It's important that you don't think of support goals as secondary or less essential. Rather that they're there to ensure that every part of the business is playing its part in reaching that primary priority while also making sure that we don't have any problems or challenges down the line. So we talked about bringing the momentum KPI and the maintenance KPIs together to give you this 
holistic view of your business. And the easiest way to do this is to have a centralized command center or CEO dashboard that you can look at for real-time insights and that allows you to take quick action or suggest adaptations or tweaks to the team. What you want on this dashboard is your main goal for the quarter, your momentum KPI that's tracking your progress against that goal, and then the maintenance KPI for each of the areas to alert you of any issues. Now, I know this might seem simplistic, and it doesn't mean you can't be tracking other things within the departments. So the goal of a dashboard is quick comprehension. You should be able to tell at a glance what is happening. And what happens is when we try to add too too much data and too many graphs, and we try to make it pretty, and we try to include all the things, you can hide the key insight that you really need. Your dashboard should also provide real-time information so that you can make timely decisions, right? When you're only using key data like this, you can update it regularly and efficiently, and you want your dashboard to be accessible to you and any team members so that they can update the data and see any issues and deal with them quickly. So how do you use the dashboard? It's not just a tracking tool. Think of it as a management tool. So ideally, you want to be using it in a few different ways. Number one, you want to be using it in your weekly planning to look at how are we performing, what activities are we going to do this week, where are we focused. You want to use it for monitoring progress, so regularly checking in how you're progressing towards your goals, making adjustments as needed. The dashboard also fosters celebration as a team because you can recognize milestones that you hit and celebrate them. And this is motivating to your team and it creates this success-driven culture. It's also great for collaboration because it gives you insights that you can share with your team. It encourages transparency, collaboration, and alignment behind the goals. So everyone's involved. So your CEO dashboard becomes a living, breathing part of your strategy. It's not just about numbers. It's about direction and focus and engaged leadership. So now we're set. You've got your 90-day strategy. You've been through all the stages. You have made sure that your foundations are there to act as a filter. You've figured out whether you're in a growth or a maintenance or an optimization phase. You've chosen your priority. You've set a momentum KPI. You've worked out what your supporting functions are going to do. You've set their maintenance KPI levels and you've put it all together in a dashboard that you're using weekly to figure out what you're going to work on what you achieved this week, and to encourage your team to collaborate with each other and with you. But there's one more key element in building a comprehensive strategy, and that's what you do at the close of that 90-day cycle to ensure that it isn't just a conclusion, but rather a moment to evaluate, learn, and then set the stage for the next 90-day strategy. Evaluating your strategy at the end of every period, again, isn't just like a box that we need to tick. This is important for a couple of reasons. One, it sends a really strong message that you are committed to learning and evolving. And this promotes a culture where a failure is a lesson and success is a stepping stone. Second, when your team members see their efforts being evaluated and recognized, it boosts their morale. They can see that their contribution matters to you. That even when things don't go as planned, you can find a way to learn from it and move forward. And finally, regular evaluation allows you to keep that flexibility that we talked about. It allows you to pivot, to keep up with industry trends or a change in the market. I want you to think of evaluation as a ritual versus just a task that you have to do. It's the end of one journey and the beginning of the next that's going to build on what you just achieved. 
And it sounds really complicated, but actually it can be really straightforward. So first of all, you want to go and gather all the data from your CEO dashboard. How did you perform against your 90-day priority? Did you maintain your support goals? What were the variances? Was there anything you missed? Did you miss that when you chose to launch in month two, it was actually the peak of Amy Porterfield's launch, and so you were competing with her in Facebook ad spend, for example, right? Anything that you didn't think about in your strategy for the previous 90 days, you want to document so that next time you bring that in. Second, you want to involve your team. Gather feedback from them, from each department. Ask them what were the challenges that they faced in this quarter. What were the successes that they felt that they as a department brought to the table? And then discuss all these insights together. Once you have all of that information, you can start to reflect and decide what strategies and actions really led to success, where you have some obstacles, and what you learned. It's important that once you have your insights, that you summarize them and you share them with the team so that they understand that this is not just a box check exercise, that you have actually heard them and you're taking their feedback into account. And then you can plan the next cycle. So again, You want to evaluate your business as a whole, set the next 90-day priority, set your support goals, and then you modify any of your strategies or plans based on the information that you've gathered in this evaluation process. It's really important that this step isn't missed and that we embrace this reflection and learning and continuous growth because it's going to have a huge impact on your team, but also on your confidence and clarity in the next strategy build. So we've worked through how to build a comprehensive strategy. We have covered a lot. We've seen that setting up your business for sustainable success requires laying a strong foundation. So creating a filter for your strategy with your vision and your values, understanding when you're ready to grow and when you need to pause to optimize, prioritizing key drivers and then aligning your support and goals, creating and using a CEO dashboard, using keyword for weekly planning and celebration and progress tracking. And finally, that you need to evaluate your strategies regularly to make sure that they stay in line with your long-term goals. For many CEOs, the primary focus has been on revenue generation, making money. But sustainable success requires you to think about how you make money and how you keep money. And I know transitioning from that singular focus to a more holistic approach can feel daunting. And building a picture of your full business landscape probably seems overwhelming. But you cannot pinpoint your best short-term focus for the next 90 days without first seeing the big picture. So I want to help you with that. If you want to dive deep into your business's strengths and areas of growth, I have a tool for you. The DIY diagnostic is going to ask you some questions to assess the health of your people, the wealth of your business, and the wisdom of the choices that you're making. And this is going to help you to identify those key areas that are holding you back and those that are driving you forwards. You get to see how your business is doing overall and by key strategic area, where to focus your energy for maximum impact, and any of those bottlenecks and inefficiencies and potential areas for improvement. And then off the back of that, you'll get actionable insights for your business based on your results. And all of this is going to take you approximately seven minutes. So if you're ready for some insights into how to create sustainable growth in your business, head to diamed.com forward slash DIY to get started. I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. So we talked about a lot today and I want you to remember that an effective strategy is dynamic and evolving and comprehensive. 
It's about ensuring that every part of your business is aligned and moving towards your goal. And it's not enough to create a strategy that just makes money. You need a strategy to make money and keep money in your business. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review.